Hello and welcome to this checkpoint, the video game book club podcast. Today we're starting our discussion on Syndicate. I'm your host Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we have Trevor. Happy New Year. Second, we have Greg. What up? And last but not least, we have Dante. Hey, 2018's off to a pretty bad start, isn't it? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as everybody said, uh, we're we're, we're uh, fresh into 2018. This is going to be our first game, our January game, and uh, I'm going to let Greg introduce it because this is his game. So, Greg, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Syndicate? Okay, so uh, for this week's show, um, I ended up picking Syndicate. Um, the reason I picked the game, really, I guess there's no like specific reason other than I remember when it was first released, Jeff uh, from Giant Bomb kind of spoke highly on it, and I always wanted to play it since then, and just kind of never got around to it, so I figured this would be a good opportunity. So, a little bit of background. Um, Syndicate was made by, or this version of Syndicate is made by Starbreeze Studios. Um, They're based out of Stockholm, Sweden, and were formed back in 1998. Um, Starbreeze has always been known for the strong attention to detail and the ability to create immersive settings in their shooters. Um, their first big hit, I don't know if anybody ever played this, but it was uh, The Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay, released in 2004 on uh, original Xbox, and it was praised for its strong combat uh, mechanics and visuals. They followed this up three years later. Uh, with The Darkness, which was released on uh, Xbox 360, P- PS3, and I believe PC. Um, it's a game about a uh, demonic force that possesses a young man who's involved with the mob. Um, in that game, you could also see Starbreeze's signature style all over it with um, their attention to detail. They they like to use uh, dark or play around with dark stuff a lot. Um, and... After that, they followed up, I think two years later, uh, they came out with the Chronicles of Riddick a sequel called The Chronicles of Riddick Assault on Dark Athena, which was also positively reviewed. Then, after that, they ended up coming out with uh, this game, Syndicate, in 2012. Um, the year after that, um, they came out, they released Payday 2, and also... Um, which I didn't realize they were the ones who developed uh, Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, which is another game I believe that we're going to um, go over as well. Now, this version of Syndicate is kind of a uh, a reimagining, I guess. Um, the original game was released in 1993. Um, Syndicate, uh, that version of Syndicate is an isometric tactical strategy game. EA had been wanting to create a, uh, a new game in the syndicate universe for a while, but just couldn't figure out a good opportunity to, um, they eventually partnered with Starbreeze and began pre-production on syndicate back in 2007. Um, this was carried out by a small team of people who, um, had just finished up work on, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Assault on Dark Athena. During this phase of development, there are many creative differences between EA and Starbreeze. Um, they really couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with the uh, mechanics of the game. And also, uh, EA, I think, wanted to have a some type of multiplayer element. Um, and Starbreeze didn't have uh, a strong or didn't have a lot of experience. Uh, Wait, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Oh. EA wanted a multiplayer element I, in uh, their hey, game? Hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> 
Man, so. I feel like whew, EA wanting a multi. Did yeah. it, did it, um they want to put loot boxes in there? Would they? I mean, who who would who would think they would ever want to do something like that? Um, so anyway, as development goes on, they they finally end up figuring out a way to um, add a cooperative element, which I think we might end up trying to do towards the end of this. So we'll see how that goes. Um. Starbreeze decided to experiment and worked on implementing the co-op experience and hoped to make a game that would be accessible and introduce the franchise to a broader audience. Uh, EA officially revealed Syndicate on September 12, 2011, and it was finally released February 21st, 2012. Um, Syndicate was received positively amongst outlets with around 74% on Metacritic, but the praise did not lead to great sales. Several months after the game was released, it had only sold about 150,000 copies worldwide. Um, part of the reason, um, I think, was there just wasn't a lot of brand awareness. And just judging from what I remember, I didn't see a lot of uh, ads about the game at all or even a lot of uh, pre-release stuff. So um, as far as that goes, I think that's all I had on the background of the game. So I guess we can start trying to go into the plot now. Can can I just say a couple things about this game before we start? Go ahead, yeah. man. Okay, so like Greg, um, I pretty much heard about this game from Jeff Gershman, even though I, I follow the new releases pretty closely. And I just remember hearing about this game, and he kept pra- praising and stuff. And I'm like, why is nobody else talking about this game? Like it almost seemed like it was a title that didn't... Like, I don't get how it existed. There was no fanfare, no people on, like, Gaff at the time talking about it, nothing. And the more I go into this game, I like it. I'll go ahead and say that. But I don't understand why it was released in 2012. It just doesn't make sense. Like, there are so many shooters in the market... And there are so many, like, red flags everywhere, like, hey, nobody's going to buy this game. It's almost like um, Insomniac's Fuse that they put out in 14, where it's just like, nobody's asking for this, at least in, like, the the mainstream. But somehow it made its way to market, and I'm happy it did. But it's just, it's almost like it got lost in time. It, it's a perfect 2008 game that came out in 2012. What do you mean by that? Because uh, I'm, I'm looking specifically at other types of games, and like another game that came out around that same time was like the Gotham City Imposters. And to me, it seems like there were a lot of like shooters that were coming out in the, I guess, early 2010s uh, that were not well received or you know weren't like groundbreaking games, but they were just filling in. Well, Gotham City Imposters, at least to my knowledge, is a multiplayer-focused shooter, whereas this is a campaign-focused thing, circa that 07 heyday where we had, like, Orange Box, um, Call of Duty, even though that was a multiplayer and a single-player thing, but the single-player was really strong in Call of Duty that year. That was Modern Warfare 1. And you also had Halo 3 coming around that time where you had all these AAA things back in 06, 07 that were very... Single player driven, they also had a really good multiplayer component, but if you look at the market trends towards shooters, the single player element 
has kind of gone to the wayside, at least in my opinion, and a lot bigger focus has been put towards um, the multiplayer element. And this was also right when season passes were becoming a really big thing. Well, I guess it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's on the cusp of when they were about to go out of Vogue. But multiplayer was the big selling point for shooters at that time, at least. Yeah, now that you mentioned it too, I, I was just thinking like 2012 and like some of the other games that came out, and like you said, some of the trends. And I kind of get what you mean now when you were saying, uh, oh, well, this is, you know, a single player game coming out when there's just a ton of multiplayer games because as far as i know this was full price on release so yep so yeah i don't i can't imagine people now like granted there is a multiplayer aspect aspect and hopefully in uh, part two we can talk about that but uh there this is largely a single player game with a little bit of multi and it's like co-op not even like multiplayer like versus mode it's a it's like a co-op mode, so it's a little bit different than games that were coming out at the time. All right, but let's let's dig into Syndicate. So um, this game is very interesting. It's uh, it's set in 2069. Um, I'll, I'll read the, the, the plot points for you. Um, so the government no longer, uh, or excuse me, countries are no longer governed by politicians. Uh, they're divided up into regions controlled by mega corporations, and these corporations are known as syndicates, which hence the name syndicate. Um, these syndicates have revolutionized how consumers interact with the digital world. So uh, consumers they need a <laughs> they need a device to access the world's data and control uh, technology, so they can do that uh, very easily with a neural chip implant. So, uh, civilians and citizens, they get these chips and it allows them to do things such as access housing, schooling, um, entertainment jobs, uh, banking, insurance, all that. So you can get it, um, you can get it all with a chip. So a lot of, uh, and because so much is controlled by these syndicates, um, basically you can get a one-stop shop. Uh, you, if you get this neural implant, everything that you do goes through that syndicate. So there's a lot of brand loyalty and, um, actually kind of harkens to today, you know, with like, uh, I'm a Apple, you know, if you're an Apple person, you have an Apple computer, you, you know, Apple music, you have iPad or iPhones. It's kind of like that over only to the extreme where these people, like they have, syndicates uh, specific to a, or universities specific to a syndicate, or insurance companies specific to a um, syndicate. So it's a little bit more nefarious uh, here. But um, because there's no government insight, or oh, excuse me, oversight, uh, these businesses have started to, these syndicates war with each other, because they're trying to basically ultimately have a monopoly and have complete market dominance over all the other syndicates. So each uh, syndicate has their agents, which are basically these bioengineered slash chip augmented enforcers. They're like the, uh, they can get into, uh, easily access uh, the dataverse and they can easily hack into stuff and basically take down uh, entire organizations. And so you are the latest prototype agent for a company uh, called Eurocorp. 
and your name is Miles Kilo. That is the the character you play, and you basically um, you're testing out. I think the first mission um, you're testing out the Dark Six chip, which is a prototype chip that is being. Um, created and so the like the very very first mission is a uh, super intense like training exercise where you come to and you're like tied up and being beaten up and you kind of have to break out and the game does a I think it does actually a pretty cool job of introducing you to the gameplay mechanics and uh, I know this is something that me and Trevor like to talk to about so how did you feel about the this first mission like the the training mode Trevor? I thought the training mode was pretty cool. Um, you know, putting you into that, um, I guess, like a, a lab, like the grid area. Is that what you're referring to? Or like just the main, the that first mission? That very first mission where it's like going through and teaching you like, this is how you crouch and this is how you, you know, pick up weapons. This is how you hack all that stuff. Like for a tutorial, I think that area actually had some good level design to it. At least in my opinion, because that was like, that was the one where you're going up the stairs, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, the one thing I will say I did not like about this tutorial. I, I like the tutorial as a whole, but like maybe this is this just the Star Breeze's aesthetic. But it was very very dark. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was very moody too. And like I, I guess in contrast to some of the things that we see later on in the game, it was like a one off. Um, but to me, it was very dark. What do you think, uh, Dante? Yo, um, before we go too much into the gameplay, can we can we describe the aesthetics a little bit of this world and stuff like that? Just sure, to, sure. Like, I, I, I the scenery. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Cause... Yeah, so, um, Syndicate is a. Would you guys agree that it's a realistic, quote unquote, aesthetic to the like graphics? Like people are imaged as if they were real. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got that. You get a lot of data coming through your chip. Since you're um, one of these people that have the chip implanted and whatnot, everything you pass has a little, like, how would you... It's like a little, not a barcode, but a little scanning thing. Yeah, like, you, you can literally walk into a room and then, it, like, you'll have, like, blips that say, like, vase or, like, book or, you know, bowl. or And it's just, like, every single room you walk into, you see a little bit of information about your surrounding. And it's kind of like it's it's interesting. Kind of like it's in your hood. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's all playing back into that chip thing, like, in the grocery store of the future, everything pops up at you. And it's kind of scary when you think about it. It's like an information overload that they're trying to represent like oh here's a box of cheerios cheerios here's a box of um frosted flakes and all of it's like constantly in your head this advertising and i think that's a really cool aesthetic decision that they decide to go with do do you feel like at a certain point like i get the information overload but at a certain point you just started ignoring things like maybe pushing back a little bit on having all that information readily available to you that you kind of could just like, this isn't important to me, so I'm not going to even pay attention to it. Absolutely. Like at first, I think it's almost supposed to, I don't know, bait and switch you into that mindset a little bit where at first you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to scan all this stuff. And then like two minutes later, you're like, wow, all this is useless. There's, there's no point. Let me just run past it. (laughs) Trevor, you have something you want to add? 
just mainly about the aesthetic. Dante, were you were you finished with the um, like as far as the the elements? Yeah, at least as far as the like, you know, the chip stuff. There's plenty more about the aesthetic, though. I what? guess another thing worth pointing out, so we don't run into a Bioshock situation. Most of the stuff you're fighting is, are humans, um, humans, humans in mech suits, um, drones occasionally, but everything's so far grounded in reality for the most part. So one of the big things I noticed about the aesthetic in this game, and I had to look it up because I'm guessing the developers created it specifically for this game, and they call it like the Bloom, where I don't know if you ever noticed, but there's a really big glare like with the light any like source of light kind of is is like really bright that it it happens in games occasionally some games use it stylistically others they just don't have a proper lighting model so sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing sometimes it's kind of up to the user uh one of the other things too uh i guess stylistically we should point out too is this game is set in 2069 but it is kind of set in like real locations uh or at least uh approximations of what those locations will become so this first place that you're at is in new york city um so i think that was also kind of why it was uh the specific area i was referring to like when you're tied up and hostage and like learning these training uh all these uh, gameplay stuff, you are in the quote-unquote underbellies. Like, they're like a homeless population kind of close to where you're at. So I think that kind of drives home the point why it's so dark where you're at and not necessarily the uh, what you would imagine New York City would look like in 2069. But uh, you, you end up uh, going through this training uh, mode or training tutorial, and you... <laughs> inevitably crash into an obstacle and kind of pulls the curtain back and then you find out oh like you're being uh you are performing for you know people and you end up finding out that uh your eurocore um compatriots are your your co-workers so dr lily drawl who is the person that is uh, that created this prototype Dark Six chip that you were running, so they were kind of evaluating your performance. And then you have your mentor slash, I guess, friend slash fellow agent, um, Jules Merritt. And then I believe he's the boss of Eurocorp. Um, his name is Jack Denham. So then th- those three characters, they kind of congratulate you and, like, you know, rate your performance or uh, what have you. And then that immediately... Um, I think uh, it kicks into the second mission, which uh, the Denim finds out that a fellow syndicate, and this is, uh, I guess, the first time that you deal with another syndicate, uh, a syndicate called Aspari. They're working on a chip very, very similar to the Dart 6 chip, prototype chip, which you guys have kept under locks. So that leads him to believe that there is some type of mole working in the Eurocorp, which... Um, is kind of like a secondary uh, mission. Your main mission is to find uh, the Dr. Chang, who is working for Aspari, who's developing this and trying to figure out where he got his information. And I think almost kind of, not blackmail him, but kind of rough him up a little bit to kind of make him stop. 
And uh, so this mission takes you to L.A. in uh, 2069. So you get to see, you go from being in a very dark and drab New York to a very bright and sunny L.A. And at this point, the game, at least lighting-wise, was like a, a 180. And like the, this made me think of Mirror's Edge, like super hard. Like the, the skyline and just the way the buildings and the aesthetic looked. Um, did you feel that way, Dante? Because you were the person that introduced me to Mirror's Edge, and I know, like, you were big in the aesthetics in this game. Did, did that hit that note for you, or...? Um, I can't say that Mirror's Edge was the first thing that came to mind, but I just might not have been thinking about it at the time. But yeah, as you said, it's very vibrant, very... It's not, it's not as simplistic as Mirror's Edge, but it does harken back to a lot of the general design they're going a lot of bright lights very simple color palette and just you know harping on that again and again and again essentially like really clean industrial design almost they get like i don't know if this strikes out to anybody else but you get like a big like blade runner like feel from this or is it maybe just me uh i mean i've only seen blade runner once so i can't really (laughs) yeah uh do you got anything trevor I was going to say, as soon as you said Mirror's Edge, like I had a flashback to when I first started playing this this game, Syndicate. And yeah, I definitely got a Mirror's Edge vibe, not from the like the aesthetics of it, but just from, I don't know, there's something about the first person view in this game. My dude, I'm glad <laughs> because it was killing me. It's like, like every time I specifically like the next couple of missions like uh this next chunk of game we're going to talk about takes place in LA and it hit so hard for me that this felt like I was like man this is if Mirror's Edge had good like better shooting better shooting in it to me I won't say good but I'll say better I I, I thought if you were going to say that Mirror's Edge had okay shooting you're giving it way too much credit (laughs) no 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 I'm saying so like there's no it's partly the first person uh, point so, of view that oh, you're I in. I can answer. I I I'm reading you right now, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna fill in the blank that you haven't filled yet. Go ahead. So the big similarity, at least in this starting area, like let's say that staircase you have to go up, for example, with Mirror's Edge, is the linearity of it all. So you have this corridor. And when you're going straight ahead, it almost does feel like Mirror's Edge, especially when you're sprinting and you gain momentum in this game. Yeah, it's just it's very evocative of Mirror's Edge to me, and I'm and I'm here for it. And like, I mean, Mirror's Edge kind of takes place in the near future as well, and there's kind of like the evil corporation aspect. At least in Mirror's Edge, it's I think it's the government that is the evil part. Where in this game, it's like these corporations are at war. But, like, it, it's just, like, for me, it, it just hit it hit all those points. And, like I said, I, I, it doesn't necessarily have the parkour aspect of it, but, like, you gain speed when you're sprinting kind of the same way. And then, um, like I said, I think the gunplay in this game is a lot better. The, like, the, the gunplay is trash in Mirror's Edge, but it's it's way better in this game. But, like, it, it, just, it just reminded me so much of Mirror's Edge that I, I had to... I had to throw that out there, but, um, uh, yeah, so you, um, you're in this Aspari facility, and you're, uh, you go with Merit, actually, and, um, 
you immediately, once you land at this facility, you kind of split up and he's like, I'm going to give you access to the, or, you know, I'm going to get us into this facility. And then you just hear pop, pop, pop. And like, he opens the door and you just, he's like, we're in. And there's like three dudes, uh, just killed. He just, you know, uh, shot three dudes just in point blank and killed them. And throughout the this intro, like, this is, like, your first interaction with him, like, you're on a mission with uh, Agent Merritt, and he seems very cold, and, like, he's super, like, obviously, you're no better than him, because you're taking out targets, too, but just, like, how cool and calm he seems about it, it gives me, like, a weird vibe about him, like, I think he's gonna, he seems like he's a dark figure, or somebody that is gonna easily turn on you or Eurocorp at some point, like, he seems like he's your buddy now, but I think that something's going to happen later on in the game. No, he is like the most hilariously like overboard, hey, I'm this trope of the good guy, quote-unquote good guy, that will eventually turn on you probably about, let's say, halfway through the game plus one chapter. That's what I'm betting. Yeah, he's like the prototypical, like, bad boy that you know he's like has the the rough ed- rough around the edges or whatever what you think trevor i got the exact same vibe but for everybody that you meet in that initial stage like it just seemed like they were just some kind of evil corporation it's almost like you're working for an evil corporation exactly but they don't think yeah. they're evil I actually didn't feel that bad. I didn't feel that way about Dr. Draw, but mostly because it, she's modeled to look like Rosario Dawson, and Rosario Dawson uh, is her is voice like actor, cousin? too, actress. So I was just like, she has to be good, because this is Rosario Dawson. <laughs> um, but yeah, you. Um, so you and Mary are split up in this mission. You guys are like taking out fools at the um, Aspari facility. And you uh, eventually meet up with Dr. Chang, and he um, is talking on some, like, voice comm with somebody. And he basically, what you overhear makes it seem like, oh, like, this dude did have a conversation with somebody from Eurocore. And you don't know who it is. Their voice is kind of uh, obstructed or whatever. But uh, he ends up uh, killing himself before you can get to him. And this is the first part where you see... A chip extraction, which is pretty grody. Uh, your your character, he grabs like this pin and jams it in this dude's ear, and then it goes into uh, the dark mode, which is uh, th- this mode that you have accessible through your chip, and you can kind of see like a heat heat signature kind of X ray view of the the device reaching out like almost like tentacles and going to this chip that's lodged in his brain and pulling it out and then you pull it out his ear and it's pretty gross looking but that that's kind of how they introduce you to the level up system in this game and um i guess we can kind of if nobody has anything else at this point story-wise you guys want to delve into the level up system or should we save that for later no i figure we can do that i think the only thing we missed was did we even talk about the um, the powers that he has at this point. I don't think he get, does he get a power at the first level. I thought it was yeah. I believe level. you got suicide, right? Okay. All right. Um, Do you get suicide? So overload. No, it is this the first power he gets is suicide. So um, one of the cool things about this game, it is a first person shooter, and uh, guns have alternate fire, but for the most part, the guns are. 
pretty standard shooter fare. So you have your sniper, you have your shotgun, your pistol, your assault rifle. There's a little bit of a twist to some of them. So um, the alt fire for the assault rifle, it kind of, it goes from being like a automatic assault rifle to like a single shot that penetrates walls. So that's a cool way to uh, take out enemies. And then there is a experimental assault rifle that if you lock onto an enemy, it kind of, the bullets kind of curve. So it's a way to hit enemies that are are behind cover. And that's kind of cool. But, uh, um, one of the, uh, you, you get these abilities and I get, I guess we can, tackle all three of them, uh, but you, you get them after specific missions. So the first one you're introduced to is called Suicide, and um, it's kind of cool because you go through like a training simulator every time you learn a new ability, and it kind of teaches you what the ability can do, and then you run through a training simulation on how to use it. So I think the way they introduce these simulations is a awesome way to teach you as a player how to use these abilities because these seem very uh critical to your success in this game and uh so the first one is suicide and it's simply you just lock on to an enemy and you almost play like a active reload style sequence where you hold a button and a bar fills up and you have to release the button uh before it hits the end, like there's a specific target area that you got to hit. And I'm assuming, depending on the difficulty you play, the target area gets uh, smaller. Therefore, it's, you know, a little bit more difficult on different difficulties. But the suicide one is very simple. You just lock onto somebody and they take themselves out. And uh, there's, I think they blow themselves up with a grenade. And any enemies that are around them also get taken out as well. Um the uh, other two abilities that we've acquired thus far, I think there's only three total, but there's one called Overload, and what it does is you can lock onto an enemy, and it kind of like creates like an EMP burst from them, and uh, it kind of briefly uh, inca- incapacitates them and one other uh, one other enemy, and they kind of just get stunned and hit the floor, and then they're a little bit more vulnerable to bullets at this point. Uh, when they're laying on the ground before they get back up. And then the uh, final um, the final system, I don't remember what the name of it is called. It's... Uh, Persuade? Persuade, yes, thank you. But um, what you do is you can basically hack into somebody and basically, quote-unquote, persuade them to join your side. And then they turn on their... Uh, turn on their uh, teammates and start shooting uh, them as well. So you kind of get like a partner for a period of time. And then if they clear out the room, then uh, right after everybody is dead, they turn their gun, their gun on themselves and suicide themselves. So uh, <laughs> suicide themselves. Thanks, Shalish. Um, so those are the three abilities you get. And you kind of... You can't, like, spam them in battle. You get, like, a... Almost like a action game, like a, a Bayonetta, maybe, or even, I, like... How do you, how okay, would you describe so, this? I agree you can't spam them, but compared to most games, the thing I like about this game so much is that they encourage you to use those abilities as much as possible. So, you can't just spam Overload or spam Suicide or spam the other one, Persuade, but... They give you plenty of options to use them. Like it's not like you just get one per battle or whatever. 
each one has its own gauge associated with it. Um, the overload charges the fastest, and the persuade charges the slowest. Per kill, you probably get like 20% on overload or whatever. So by the time you go through a room of people, you might use it two or three. I, I think it's kind of like almost score-based. So it's not quite like... Um, so when we were playing Bioshock, you had your guns and then your your vigors or your ability where, where you could use those at will, whenever you wanted. In this game, when you use your abilities, you kind of have a cooldown. So one of the things that you do is when you string together specific types of kills or, like, headshots, or you um, you have, like, a gauge, and you, I think it's called a rampage meter or whatever, and the higher your gauge is, the more points you accrue, which in turn makes it easier for you to build up your cooldown on your abilities. So, like, you'll go into a room, if there's five enemies in the room, if you can take out those five enemies pretty quickly, then um, then you can quickly recharge your, your gauge. So it kind of almost, like, it, this is kind of cover-based shooter in a way, but it kind of pr- promotes you to kind of be a little bit more aggressive and, like, almost approach the game like a puzzle where it's like, okay, I can... T- have that person help me out there. I can, you know, um, overload these two characters and knock them to the ground real quick, and I can reposition myself to a better vantage point where I can shoot all three. And it, it's very dynamic in that aspect. So I, I really like the combat in this game. Uh, how do you guys feel about it? I'll start, I'll start with you, Greg. Um, I really like the combat in this game. Um, I don't know. I know nobody else has kind of mentioned it, but I like to me, the way the guns fire and just the way they sound, like they just feel good, right? Like it's just, you feel like there's real impact behind it when you actually start shooting enemies. The um, way he carries that pistol, though. Yeah. You're talking about like when he starts running and you can actually fire while running the pistol, running with the pistol, which is actually pretty cool. Um, but yeah, my, like everything about the game, just the way that the weapons feel and even the encounters, I feel like the enemy AI is pretty intelligent, right? Like they'll, they'll come out, take a few shots at you. Then they're going to try and like hide if they feel like they, they're not going to be able to do any like sustainable damage for real. Um, so like, I mean, I, I really like the combat to be honest. Yeah. They do a lot of intelligent stuff. Like, um, when you use your dart overlay, which allows everybody to, um, allows you to see everybody on the map, essentially they'll start hiding and stuff. So they promote you actively going out and seeking these people. And one thing just real quick to compliment what Greg said about the guns, each gun has a second firing mode. If you hit down on the D pad and it completely changes the, the dynamics of a lot of those guns. Um, I don't know how you feel Trevor, but I'm going to have to disagree with these two. I'm not really, like, I think the guns sound cool, but I'm not really a fan of the shooting and, like, just the guns in this game. Like, I really, really, really like, like, the minigun, but, like, I didn't like the pistol. I didn't like the gun that shot around corners. I didn't really like the shotgun. Like, I'm here for the abilities and, like, the... I did like the single shot, the the alternate fire of the machine gun that you could, um... Or the assault rifle that would penetrate walls. But I I don't necessarily like combat is cool because I like that it's dynamic and that you have these abilities and like, like Greg kind of said, the AI is very intelligent in this game and they try to reposition themselves to, you know, like 
in regards to where you're at, or they try to flank you or get to the side of you. And you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on and I like that aspect of the combat, but I don't really like how the gun, like the guns are, I don't know. They just don't feel like they're just not hitting for me right now. Besides the minigun. So one of my complaints about the, the guns in this game, one is recoil. Like I understand recoil is real. But in this game, like, it is literally hard to see your target if you use any type of automatic weapon. Now, there is, like, a perk that deals with uh, recoil. I don't don't know um, if you've gotten that yet, but I felt like that helped a little bit. No, I haven't gotten that one. Um, The other thing, I kind of agree with you as far as running and being able to shoot. And part of me is thinking, like, you know, why aren't other developers allowing you to run and shoot? And it's probably an issue with balance or something. But that part is really fun. I just think there's there's not enough times where the weapons around you kind of inform you of what enemies are coming up. And I always get put in situations where I don't necessarily have the best weapon for the enemies that are around me. Bruh, the best enemy is the enemy's head. Or the best weapon is the enemy's head. All you gotta that do, is true, yeah. You put one bullet right between the eyes, and they're down. I'll, hey, hey, I, the reason why the guns don't feel good to me is because these characters feel like bullet sponges. I don't care what you guys say. These dudes Dude, take two, opposite. like... It's the they, you no. can kill all, almost all of them. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Marcus. Dude, that's why I don't think these guns feel I'm good. I'm playing on hard right now, <laughs> and these guys are going down so fast. Nah, the minigun is the only time where I felt like a god. <laughs> anything was anything was effective. A hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm, I'm running around. Like it takes me three shotgun shots to kill somebody, which is ridiculous. And I understand, like I should be aiming for people's heads. But, like, sometimes people, like, jump, you know, they, they, they're they flanking me, and it's like, I'm not going to immediately go for the head. I just see the quick pop, pop, and then dip out or something. So, like, I hate games with bullet sponge enemies, and I feel like this game super egregious in that. And, they like, these characters just soak up bullets. I guess, I don't know. I haven't had too big of a problem in the encounters where I felt like, I mean, they do take a lot of bullets, but I felt like the way that I was playing it, it like... Going into dart, I was able to at least take out two or three enemies, and then hopefully, if I, you know, if there were any enemies left, I would reload, and then hopefully, I had backfire. I would try and backfire in a group and take those guys out. So I never found it to be a huge issue. There was like one scenario, which I guess we'll get to it a little bit, but there was one scenario. There's like a you're fighting a, a kind of power, more powerful enemy, and I ran out of ammo in that situation. But I think that was just, I don't know if it was going back to kind of what Trevor said. You just, you never felt like you had the right weapon for the for the fight coming up. So I don't know if maybe that was the issue I had there. But outside of that, like, I didn't really, I wasn't having too many issues with the guys just being, you know, being too hard to take down, I guess, or just taking too many bullets to take down. So when we first started playing, I think I mentioned that I wasn't sure if I was playing this game right. And I don't know if that had something to do with combining your abilities, like your like the suicide and persuade abilities, with the guns. Because a part of me thinks like that creates some kind of effective scenario for defeating enemies. 
Is is that the case, or can you just go through the entire game just using your guns? I mean, I, I think you can go through the entire game using your guns, uh, definitely. I But I do think that the best or optimal way to play this game is to kind of complement, you know, your gunplay with these abilities, because that, that makes it, like, I mean, suicide automatically takes out an enemy. The overload makes it so these bullet sponges that are standing up are now bullet sponges laying on the ground. And then um, the uh, persuade just makes it so you automatically, you have a teammate. And, like, I, I think these are all, like, you should be using these in combat. Is that what you're doing, or...? Yeah, I've, I've been using them. Is It just seems like it's not... Sometimes it doesn't give you enough window in order to start using your weapons. Like, when I use my abilities, I'm expecting, you know, some something big to happen. But they're so... Like the effects of your abilities are so underwhelming. Like I wish there were there were more, I don't know, sparks or something flying to tell me like what I just did was effective. I wish like the guns caused more, um, um, more enemy, um, what do you call it? Like um, knockback. It it just seems like nothing feels that effective. I'm, I am legit flabbergasted right now. I don't have words to say how confused I am right now. <laughs> like, I came into this thinking, like, everybody's going to be like, well, at least the enemies go down quickly, but now, like... You must have mini-mode glitch or something, because our mini-gun... Like, maybe it's because I've been, like, I just finished Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and Uncharted's one of those games where it's notorious for having bullet sponge enemies. I just got through, um... Oh my god, Quantum Break. Which, it's not bullet spongy, but I think their enemies in general take more hits than the ones here. And I just, I have never felt like anybody took more than a good handful of shots to go down. Legit, like aside from the armor people, and that's because they're more puzzle oriented than actual like combat oriented things. And we'll get into those later. But 90% of the stuff... I feel like I'm just using maybe like five bullets tops and they're down. All right, so like, what what guns are you guys using? Because I, I for me for the most part, I always roll with the assault rifle, and then my secondary gun kind of just changes depending on the situation. But like, or if I run out of ammo, because a lot of times I'm like running out of ammo fighting these characters, like fighting uh, these encounters. So I have to like have a backup gun. So I, I I can't stand the pistol. I don't like the pistol. And uh, I was rocking the sniper, but I think there was really only one segment that you had that at thus far. So I usually, if I can, the assault rifle and the uh, shotgun, but if not, then the assault rifle with the pistol. And I'm just holding the pistol so I can find something else I'd rather use. What don't you like about the pistol? You've been using the pistol and just taking out dudes with like three shots? Because like one of the things... Go ahead, go ahead. Pistol's pretty good. It's really good. Trevor, have you been using the pistol? Mm, this ain't, Pistol's trash, this right? Is, this, is, this is not Halo. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I, I don't know, man. I guess maybe we need to, like, figure out what's going on with this pistol. Because I, I think the I, I have... All you gotta do is go into blade mode. You cut horizontally twice. Then you cut... <laughs> no, I'm just playing with you guys. I know. No, so, like, for me, um, I'll run into a room and... 
I, you know, I'll use my abilities to cut the room down in half, and then I, at that point, it's just guns at that point, and it's repositioning, and I, I tell you, dude, I'm using, like, damn near a whole clip on a single enemy, and, like, kind of what Trevor what? was, dude, I'm telling you, ask Trevor. That's but, why, like, that's why I was running out of ammo so much. Yeah, exactly. I don't get how they're running out of ammo, Greg, it's really ticking me off, I'm not gonna lie. I'm telling you, dude, the assault rifle, like, it takes a full clip for, like, one enemy, and, like, what Trevor was alluding to, which I 100% agree with him, is, like, I'm shooting a dude, and he'll, like, maybe drop, but then get back up. So, like, the only way you know you're doing any damage, like, they're, the, the game uh, has, like, an overlay. And so when they're outlined in blue, that's when a character is dead. And so it's like, this dude dropped back, I'm good. And it took me a while to get used to it, but then he pops back up. I'm like, I thought that dude was dead. And it took me a little bit to get used to that blue outline to, like, indicate oh, somebody is dead. Okay, 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 okay. I just thought of something. And this is not... Um well explained by the game in my opinion are you guys aware that you do more damage and the game goes into slow motion when you have that dart overlay on you do more damage in dart yep you did hold on y'all didn't know that i thought it just made it easier to shoot targets i didn't think it scrubs that much more <laughs> i thought i thought that you had to get the upgrade in order for it to do more damage and i hadn't done that yet because i was like specking to have more ammo for my freaking guns and more and more health yeah that because the, the way that i play it basically i, I try and go into dark as quick as possible because like you do way more damage so like i mean not only is it an added benefit of it you know slowing down and you take less damage but you know, you do more damage overall, so you you always want to try and like have most of your fights while you have the have that activated. Granted, okay. I forget to use it a lot, and I still think even without the dart, you're doing fine. But yeah, it does do a lot more damage. Okay, I'm playing this game in like normal speed, and you guys were playing at half speed. <laughs> so uh, I guess we we can talk about the dart system because I do I did want to talk about that too. So you basically. When, I mean, even outside of combat, too, like, this is almost like, if you played, like, a Batman, it's like Detective Vision, really, where it's, like, you get that same overall look, and, like, the, the, the game HUD Im- immediately switches to that, and so you can kind of see, like, hidden messages, like, one of the collectibles in this game is seeing, like, uh, graffiti uh, messages and things like that, so you can kind of see hidden messages, you can also kind of see, like, things that are glowing orange are, like, enemies, or interactable uh, objects like fire extinguishers or explosive barrels. You can kind of see those. You can kind of easily take down a room that way as well. Um, But like they were saying, this slows down time as well, but you have a meter. Um, uh, And I guess you do more damage. I was not aware of that. Uh, But you get a, um, uh, a meter. So like you can't just like stay in this mode. You kind of have to toggle it. And uh, I, yeah, I guess that is a huge part of combat. I was not aware, but uh, I guess I guess me and Trevor need to play the game uh, with dark mode on a little bit more. I was running the game normal speed. I'm guessing Trevor was too. But uh, right, right, Trevor. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So I was. <laughs> I feel like a scrub now. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, And then, uh, I guess lastly, they have this upgrade, this upgrade system. And, um, 
I think at this point we have only, I mean, we played the first 10 I, sections, I guess, chapters in this game. They're called milestones. So we played the first 10 milestones and I believe by the time we're finished, we get, uh, we've gotten three points total. And these are kind of, these are all beneficial points that you can put into, like, do things like, um, add to your life, uh, do more damage in dart mode, um, melee kills, build more, uh, dart mode for you, um, there's a whole wide variety of, uh, things that you can upgrade in, uh, do you guys know, do you guys know what you guys upgraded in, or what, what you put your points towards, I know for me, I put my points towards, um, regenerating life every regenerating life in dart mode i put myself as um building 40 percent more meter or whatever when i get a kill or like when i do a task so like when i get headshots or um do a suicide on somebody i get more bonus points i guess you could say or more meter built doing that and then i have the one um that allows you to switch guns, which is another thing, uh, maybe this will be different in dart mode, one of the things that irked me about this game was that it takes forever to switch between guns, you can hold two guns at a time, and just, like, the physical act of your character switching guns is so, like, it's so long to me, I don't know why it irks me, it seems like it's twice as long as any other game I've ever played, and so I picked that one, and that one also allows it so you reload a little bit faster. Uh, Greg, you got something you got to say? Oh, nah. Okay, okay. Um, do, you, do you guys, any of you guys know what you guys spec towards or what, what, what you put your points in, uh, Trevor? So I used, I actually found four of them by, my, by the 10th milestone. But I used the first two to increase my health, and then I used the one on the regeneration like you did. And then I used another to reduce the amount of damage I received. And then after running out of ammo so many times, I got the one that increases the amount of ammo that you can carry. That was going to be my next one, <laughs> but maybe with the dart mode, I won't need it. Do either you or uh, you, Dante, or Greg, you guys know what you guys upgraded towards? I can't remember it other than I, I did have one spec for the recoil. Um, and then I know there was something else with health, but I can't remember what I had, though. Do you guys know if there's, like, a melee attack in this game? Yeah, so you can, like, the melees are, like, well, I guess you can finish an enemy off. So, like, if you do a little bit of damage, I don't even know if you have to do damage sometimes, but you can just run up, left-click the stick, and it's a one-hit melee kill. Or, like, a takedown, I guess. Yeah, the weaker enemies, you're able to take them down. That's pretty much what I was using whenever I ran out of ammo. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I thought you could only take them down when they were, like, down, like, an execution style. I didn't realize you could do it otherwise. Um, is there anything else gameplay-wise that we... Wait, let me... Wait. I'm pulling up my menu right now, so... Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I also have four um, ability points or whatever. So I got the um, reduce all damage... I've got the 25% damage boost while you're in dark, and it also reduces damage. I've gotten the energy gain one, and I also got the um, protection shield. So essentially, it's like this regenerating shield. So whenever you're at max health, you get like an. Gotcha. Those are the ones I currently have. 
I'm trying to think what was the last one I got there. Maybe it was uh, stability, so like I don't have as much recoil or something. Is there any other gameplay things that we need to hit on? I don't. I think we've pretty much covered it. Kind of had to catch. Do we want to talk about specific enemies now, or? Oh, we can talk about them as we're going throughout the story because they kind of pop up at very specific areas. So, um, so yeah, we um, mission or not mission milestone two. You're tasked with apprehending Doctor Change, the rival from the. Aspari syndicate uh you end up finding him uh he kills himself you extract his chip this is where you get the your very first level up that we just upgrade uh that we just talked about and at that point um you find out that the mole in uh the euro core camp is dr drawl um, so the person that's been working the prototype for your Dart 6 chip has been feeding this Dr. Change from uh, your rival information so he can make something similar for Aspari. So at this point, you're like, well, what the, you know, you are you don't really know what to do or you don't feel, like your character doesn't feel any type of way about that. Um, but I, um, I can imagine that the Denim, the, the head of Eurocore, is not too happy about it. And at that point, you're you gotta escape this uh, Aspari uh, facility after his suicide. So you um, are basically fighting your way out this uh, facility. And I believe at this point, um, this is where you uh, fight the first. Do you fight your? Is this where you fight the first armored enemy? Or I guess uh, no, that might be later. That might be later. But uh, yeah, you're you're basically escaping this uh, this LA Aspari facility. Um, there's some cool uh, environments that you go through. Like you do fight through like a uh, like a club, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then you make your way to this train station in LA, and this is going to be your first boss encounter. So you're you're meeting up with Merritt, who's still on this mission with you. He's basically you you guys are like, hey, we'll escape this facility. Uh, and we'll meet up at the train station. So he gets there first, and he basically is like, the train will be here in a little bit, and then you have to fight basically a, a horde or a wave of uh, Aspari operatives that are trying to take you down. And uh, you fight through all of them, and uh, you hear on your comm that Merritt has he's run into somebody, he's run into an Aspari agent, and his... Uh, communications with you goes blank and uh you just hear some sounds and then you the train arrives uh that he had boarded and you're trying to open up the door to get in and you open up the door and this dude kicks you in your chest and it is a aspari agent who's basically the aspari equivalent of what you are for Eurocore. and then this is your first uh your first boss fight what did you think about this boss fight, Trevor? Uh, he has um, a couple of different abilities. He can create clones of himself, and he's like really, really fast. Uh, but what, what did you think, Trevor? I thought this was a really cool boss, especially first boss to fight against. I thought his ability was pretty cool. I did have a tough time with it at first, um, simply because I wasn't using the dart ability, I guess. And wow, I can't imagine that boss fight without that. Well, I don't know. It was just like 
I was also trying to get a hang of using the cover because I'm used to games where if there is cover, like you can you can obviously tell that it is meant to be cover. But like there were some instances like throughout this game actually where stuff that you're supposed to use as cover doesn't necessarily look like you can use it. Like you might be dancing behind a pillar or between like there might be a pillar between you and the enemy and you're just sitting there dancing around it. Um, but other than that, I like this boss fight. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to I was going to hop in and say uh, one of the things I do like about this is it is a cover game like you don't necessarily get in behind cover like you do in Gears of War or whatever. But like. The cover is like it's vertical instead of like horizontal. So like like Trevor said, you're standing behind like uh, at this on this level specific, you're standing behind uh, pillars and col or you know columns, uh, part of the structure of the train station or like billboard ads and things like that. So it's kind of interesting, and that that's something that you do throughout this this game where it's like not your traditional like horizontal where you crouch behind and hunker behind. It's mostly like pillars and columns, elevator shafts, and just things like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, one, of, one of the things with this uh, this agent, which I don't I don't see how you did this, Trevor, <laughs> is not fight him in dart um, or fight him without using dart because uh, he's so fast. Like, he kind of dashes at you, does some damage, and, like, as soon as you shoot at him, he dashes away, and he's at a different angle. So, like... Using dart, he kind of allows you to get as much damage as possible on him before he does his little dash attack. And then uh, I think once you start doing enough damage on him, he starts spawning these clones. And then basically these clones are uh, replicants or you know of him, and they're at even more angles shooting at you. So you kind of have to attack all the clones, and then they'll kind of forcefully slam back into him and kind of stun him a little bit so you can do some more damage. Uh, it was... I don't know. This fight was cool. I, I I did like that. This was the first time that like cover kind of mattered, like having to get behind cover. Uh, what about you, Dante? I thought it was a decent, serviceable boss fight. It was nothing revolutionary about it, but it was a good use of the powers. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little disappointed because Trevor. Um, we have a group chat for missed checkpoints that we communicate with each other every now and then, and he's like, man having a rough time with this first boss and I'm like man and this is before I had even started the game so I'm like is this game really that hard so I'm getting hype I'm getting hype I'm like when's the shoe gonna drop when when is this game gonna kick my butt and then I get to this boss and then it doesn't happen and I mean there were places where I kinda got close to dying but it never happened and I was like Trevor lied to me so the hard, so the, hard the hard part for hard me part was for me. whenever he split into I think it was five different versions of himself and I would always I would always be close to him whenever he did that and so I would essentially be surrounded by enemies and it would seem like there was no way to get out of it Man all you got to do you know how they have that little train booth in the middle you go to the other side Uh <laughs> it wasn't that easy for me like, sometimes there were enemies, like, all around, like, in each corner of the area. I gotcha. I, I get what you're saying, because it just depends on where he does his clone at. Um, 
But I was trying to make sure I was on one side as far away from him as I was or from the other side before I started shooting at him. So it just depends, I guess, where he creates his clones at. Uh, anything from you, Greg? How do you feel about this boss fight? Um, I don't know. I didn't have any, like, anything that stood out to me. I mean, the the uh, song that's going on during the fight's pretty dope. Um, but, uh, but other than that, no, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, you, he starts taking damage and then he starts splitting himself off into multiple versions, but, um, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy stood out about it, but I liked it though. All right. Well, uh, after you take down this, uh, sparring agent, um, Merritt is injured and, you know, you board the train, he's injured and you guys got to hack the train. Um, and basically he has some issue with his, uh, his chip that basically his implant that basically incapacitates him. And, um, you're, you know, taking the train to escape LA. And then this, this section is my favorite section so far we played, uh, up to this point, I was like, this is a okay shooter. Like, you know, not, not, I'm not saying like I disliked it, but I was just like, oh, like nothing really like stands out for me. But then, like, this part was awesome. Like, uh, you basically, you're on this train, and um, you find out there's a breach, and you have to figure out where it's coming from. So you, you, you're running up the train, uh, you see a bunch of enemies, or not enemies, but civilians have been gassed and are dead, and you're like, oh, what's going on? And then you get to the front of the train, and um, or back, I think the back of the train, sorry, and... Um, you fight some enemies that have, like, breached the train, and you're introduced to the GOAT, the minigun, which is, like, the reason why we're playing this game, obviously. This is, like, the greatest... I feel like this is the best minigun I've ever played, used in a video game. And uh, I feel so powerful using it. And this is when, like, the game got fun for me, because, like, at this point, you are riding on this train, uh, and you're like, you know what? Like, dudes are attacking us. You get on top of the train... And, like, these dudes on, like, sky bikes, or I don't even know what you want to call them, but, like, these dudes on these, like, flying hover motorcycles are, like, running at you, and you're raising the defense system on the outside of the train, and you're just taking these dudes out and hacking them with your minigun. Uh, what's up? What's up, Dante? Whoops. Um, so, I zoned out for a split second, but did we, um, did we discuss the train boarding part with, um... Who's the rival agent dude that's with you? With Merritt? Yeah, with Merritt, where he's, like, taking out every single Oh, person. yeah, yeah. Because that, that was, like, yeah. Okay. That was really disturbing. All right, yeah, I, I did. I, I glossed over that. So, uh, you once you board this train with Merritt, this is before his implant goes haywire, like, he gets incapacitated, you're, like, walking through the train, and you're literally walking through carts, and he's, like taking people out. He's just shooting them. Civilians. These are civilians. Just passengers, yeah. Yeah, he's just shooting them and killing them. And then he gets up to the front and he knocks on the door and he's like, hey, uh, blah, 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 you know, security, or he's posing as, uh, he's like, it's okay, we got, you know, everybody's accounted for, everybody's safe. And like, because this conductor has locked himself in his uh, cabin or whatever. And then he opens the door and he's like, thank God. And then Merritt, like, just just bullet to the forehead, you know? And, like, the dude is, like, he just takes out literally everybody on the train. And uh, he, he just seems very cold and, like, like even more so than what had happened 
um, earlier when you first got to the Aspari facility. And, like, it just seems like he is 100% about the mission objective, and that's all he cares about. Um, yeah. But we're done with that. Back to the minigun stuff, the fun stuff. Um, so you're on top of this train, and you're raising the defenses as you're going the length of the train to take out these, like, these agents that are on, like I said, air bikes that are, you know, trying to attack you and take out the train. And then you're, you get from outside of a tunnel, and there's this huge airship that starts attacking your ship, and then you're just, like, laying into it with the machine gun. And it's dropping these, um, like, I think they're called breach mines or something like that. And what it does is, it, it like, it, it drops, like, basically, like, they look like grenades from Gears of War, almost, like the spike grenades. And you get to hack them to prevent them. It, it's really cool, actually, like a cool little sequence where you're, you know, it, it has this huge health bar that you're trying to take down. And at the same time, you know, like there's agents that are attacking you on the hover bikes. So you have to take those guys out. And then this airship will drop on these breach uh, grenades on top of the, the um, train. And you have to hack into these to basically deactivate them from blowing up. So it's like a cool sequence where you're like going between fighting enemies that are shooting at you, fighting this dropship, deactivating these mines before they blow up. Uh, well, how did you feel about this part, Greg? Um, I like that whole fight, man. Like you were saying, the uh, the minigun was probably my favorite weapon up to this point. Um, just in like that whole fight, once you, uh, once you get out into the open and you kind of look at the skyline, like it's just a really nice looking uh, set piece, I think. Uh, Trevor? First of all, my dude, that minigun. Too good. It is too good. Man, I love the, the like the animation, like the way it just tears through enemies. Like, like you see their bodies just <laughs> just fly away. Mm-hmm. Greg is all here talking about, yeah, I like how this pistol fails and this machine gun. <laughs> and I'm like, but the minigun. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this um the train mission was, was fun. It was uh uh, I didn't quite understand what you were doing at first when you had to like hack the um, the what what was the thing that you're walking towards or you're walking through? The it's like the, oh, you're on top of the train. Yeah. You're saying? yeah, you basically you're you're raising up the the train defenses is what it, I think it is in the game. But essentially, you're just giving yourself cover. Okay, for this this encounter. Yeah, I didn't understand that because it seemed I didn't know if something was like lowering. Like, and you walked into it, so you avoided hitting your head on whatever was was coming. Um, but, once again, the hacking for some of the, like, some of the enemies, like, the on the bikes, seemed like it wasn't that effective. But, I don't know, you eventually got to, maybe it's because I'm playing on xbox 360 through my xbox one there's a little bit of a delay and so like is there like a sweet spot for whenever you hack into something and you have to hit like that white zone does that is that more effective than than just holding it i mean you just have to get past the threshold they have release it yeah you might have a little bit delay then dude because like i i'm playing just straight up on 360 and i haven't had any issue where i i'll release it in that area and it's it, it you know it, it happens so yeah 
Well, I might yeah, be having. If a... you mess up, it clearly says fail, or the bar turns orange. Right. Yeah, that's if you don't hold it long enough. But like, if you release it like right in that white area, like I'm wondering if it if it does more than it does if you just hold it down until it fills up all the way. I think it. Oh, does, I get what you're but, saying. Um, I mean, either way, you still get the effect. Right. Right. Maybe I don't know. Maybe because we're playing on, because we're playing on normal. You're playing on normal, right? Yeah. I think may, maybe I, I thought it was like an active reload thing where it's kind of like uh, Gears of War, where it's like you can do this thing quicker if you hit it in this little you know section versus if you just tap the button, you'll do you'll you'll get the thing to happen, but it won't be as quickly as you want it to. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I liked it. Um, the only thing I wish this level did was it wasn't blocked off on one side of it. Because there's like that wall on your right side, and nothing goes over there. Oh, so you're saying like you're pretty much looking at one? Yeah. Eh, I don't mind it, mostly just because that airship is like the the big, quote-unquote, boss of that fight. And it would kind of suck if you have to take your attention away from that. Well, not necessarily so, away from it, but if it went around you rather than just oh, I got down you. on one side. I got you, I got you. How do you feel about it, uh, Dante? I was actually not that big of a fan of that part. I I thought it kind of went on longer than it needed to. And I don't know, like, the the minigun, I mean, it's kind of fun for, like, two minutes. It's kind of like, you know, when you're on the playground as a kid and you just get something simple. And it's like, oh, well, if I could just trivialize the entire point of this process, why not? But then, you know... <laughs> this big boys and whatnot, we go back to our pistols. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Calling us kids. The minigun was tight. I don't care what you said. <laughs> no, the minigun's fun. Hey, I'll be, yeah, I'll be a kid. Yeah, I'll be a kid. <laughs> Mowing down, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you take out the airship and uh, I, I guess the, the mission concludes with you successfully escaping and so then uh, the, the next mission starts back up, and you're, you're back at Eurocourt, and uh, you're basically being debriefed, uh, or debriefing with uh, Denim. The, I, like, again, like, I think he's just, like, the the boss of, you know, the, the, the head honcho of Eurocorps. And uh, at this point, you're, you're, you're doing this, it's a walking cut, or it's not a cut scene, it's like a, it is a cut scene. You're on rails, you don't necessarily have control of where you're going, you can kind of just look around. Um, and at this entire time you're, you're talking with him and you, you reveal to him that Dr. Drawl was the mole and, um, she's busy operating on merit to save him, uh, or whatever. He's having some medical issues and his, he goes into a, a seizure and you gotta, you get to play this part and like kind of hold him down and help her, uh, stop his seizures and, you know, bring him back and, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you, you at this point, uh, you the player, and or you and you the player and uh, Kilo, as well as Doctor or uh, Denim, know that Doctor Drawl is the mole, but you haven't kind of revealed it to her yet. Um, but there's really no action here, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting. How, how did you guys feel about playing the sequence that was on rails, and you there was like you didn't kill anybody or anything. It was maybe what like five, eight minutes long at most. And uh, did, how do you guys like this as a 
part of this game, I guess. Like, no action, just, like, story, like, narrative. How, how, how did you feel about it, Dante? Man, I am not in Syndicate for the story. I'm not going to lie at all. Um, I didn't mind it because it was very short. Um, but this game, I wouldn't say it's hard to follow, but the story is so much in the background for the most part. Like, 90% of the missions are like, oh, well, you're going to go off and do this. By the time I start shooting folks, I forget what the mission's about. I pretty much have to get to the checkpoint. I'll get the checkpoint. The little cutscene will, you know, pop up or whatever. But I never really feel like I'm doing something for the sake of the story in this game, to be perfectly How you feel about it, uh, Trevor? Yeah, I agree with Dante. Um, at least as far as this mission goes, like, I was completely detached from the story up until this mission, or I can't even call it a mission, but, um, like, just where you're walking around. Um, I thought you would get a little bit more information. Um, but also, um, like since you said, like just walking around, this, this definitely just felt like a walking sim and it didn't help that I just recently finished Tacoma. So I was literally like looking for stuff to, to scan since you do have that ability. Yeah. One of the things for me, it almost feels like a super drawn out, like, like you said, like a walking sim. It's kind of like in Gears of War, where you're like on the calm with Anya, and then so you're like holding your finger to your ear, and you're just walking instead of like like it's like here's our way of de- uh, delivering some story beats without quote unquote taking you out the action. But the the problem for me or the issue with me, uh, as far as Syndicate is concerned, is this these missions are so short that the fact that they like delegated this as being its own mission was kind of like ridiculous it's like in one sense it's like hey like here's six minutes of story but also it's like you know sandwiched in between two segments that are 10 minutes of gameplay it just kind of seemed weird i I did dislike it like unlike you guys like i i I feel that way about shooters kind of what dante said where like when i'm playing a shooter it's not necessarily like the story that I'm here for, I'm here for the gameplay. But I, I think this story for this game, I at least like the world that it's in, the the, the 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 thought or the idea that these companies are so massive that they control every aspect of your life or whatever. I think that's a cool concept. So like I have a little bit more interest in the story, but like at this particular point, the what you're delivering <laughs> to what you're talking to Denim about isn't that important where I felt like and he didn't even react in a way like he wasn't super pissed or anything he was just like we gotta watch her and it's just like man like you seem like a super off the handle type of dude and for us you to be so low-key about this it's like why did we dedicate eight minutes to this part why um you, you got anything you need to add Greg no I think you guys pretty much summed up most of it I, and I guess it's because this game, as to this point, there's there hasn't been any like in-game cutscenes, right? Like or anything like that. So, so maybe that's just the only way that they feel like they want to kind of send out story beads like that. I guess like they they have like the things where you can collect data, but I'm gonna be honest, I have not read a single one of those like dossier or any any of the type of in-game stuff you can pick up because it's like. 
I feel like it's inconsequential to the sh- to the story and mostly just about expanding the the universe, I guess, and kind of introducing you to like this type of world. But I don't necessarily feel like it's super important, and maybe that's on me. Um, I'm not a big fan of audio logs, and I'm even less of a fake in game reading or whatever. Yeah, I skipped all those. Yeah, and it, like I, I think like it's like. I think of life is strange and it's like, man, that, that was an interesting world. And I want like, this was good character building, but a lot of these things that we're finding aren't even pertaining to the characters that we are, have been introduced to. So I'm less inclined to want to like, find out about random Aspari scientists or, you know, anything like that. So I've kind of just shied away from that stuff. So, uh, you, you say you help Dr. Draw save Merritt when he's seizing and, um, at that point, Denim sends you two. I, I guess in between the time, uh, he gets briefed on the doctor situation and how she's the mole. So the the two of you are basically staking out her apartment. You guys are she lives in like a tall loft building, and she's like on um. You guys are on a the rooftop of the building across the street or whatever from her, and you can kind of like use binoculars or a telescope to like look into her apartment and you kind of hack into her bedroom or her excuse me her apartment and she's on the phone with a friend and you can kind of it's a cool little sequence where you're like switching between cameras in her apartment to kind of get a better angle because she's talking on the phone with one of her girlfriends as she's um walking throughout her apartment and you can kind of like track track her movement along and you know, hop from room to room, from camera to camera. And then, uh, at this point, her apartment gets broken into, basically, like, uh, I think breached, like, a, a bomb goes off, and a bunch of, uh, uh, I believe it's the Cayman Global is the name of this uh, syndicate, but they basically kidnap uh, some of the operatives, uh, kidnap Dr. Drawl, and you guys got to... Uh, your task with, you know, fun. retrieving Dr. Drawl. So you zip line over to her apartment and you take out all the dudes in her apartment and you're basically fighting your way through this uh, loft building. Uh, it's it's super high end though. So don't think like, I, I mean, like this is glass floors and, you know, like uh, art gla- glass windows and glass floors. And like, it's a super high end uh, apartment building. Um, and uh, you basically chase her from there, chase them from there to uh, this huge uh, multi-level shopping complex. And there's, so there's a lot of operatives that you're shooting uh, in, uh, mixed in with civilians that are like ducking down and trying to, you know, avoid the crossfire. And uh, I think this is where you kind of fight some of the, you, you get a little bit of variety in the enemies. So you, you fight these uh, huge armored enemies that... Um, I don't even know how to describe it. You you have to basically they're invulnerable to bullets and you have to hack their suit and basically shoot them to a point where they are no longer they they have a meter for their invulnerability and a meter for their armor. You basically hack their suit so they're no longer invulnerable. You shoot this bar, it, it will drop down their shield and then you can actually do damage to their armor. And you have to do this like two or three times on these types of enemies. Um and this is where the game finally introduces to you the shotgun. And I actually, this at this part is where I started implementing Dart more into my own gameplay because 
these dudes have shotguns and their shotguns do hella damage on you. So the only way I could like even stand a chance against them was to like basically go into dart mode and unload as many bullets in them as I could and then hop behind cover, let my dart mode recharge, rinse, repeat. Uh, what do you think about this segment, this segment, Greg? Uh, kind of the same thing. I had the same approach as you kind of, um, trying to do as much damage as I could, um, while I was in dart mode then try and let that recharge. Um, I did appreciate the variety though of having, you know, different enemy at this point in the game. Cause, um, it, it was nice to have something that was a little bit more of a char, a, a challenge, but, um, other than that, my uh, dude. Kind of all... Oh, what was that? What's that? Oh, I will, I, I will point out too before I kick it to Dante. Um, these these dudes, you can't use your abilities on. The only thing you can do is hack their suit. You can't do the overload. They're not affected by overload, suicide, or persuade. So, um, and a lot of times too, you're fighting quote-unquote regular enemies along with these armored enemies, so you can kind of, like, uh, use them to help you out as well. Uh, what's up, Dante? Yeah, so, I also agree with Greg. Um, it was nice to finally have an, an enemy that wasn't one-shottable, essentially. Because um, I was talking about no enemies were one-shottable. They all took a lot of bullets. If you use your power, so. Oh, gotcha. So, pretty much, like, Overload is the only thing that you have, as far as abilities go, that doesn't instantly kill an opponent. And, um, the first time I got to this guy, it was really frustrating. This was the first time I actually ran out of ammo. (laughs) And, um, I didn't understand that you had to do this large chunk of damage in this very short window of time. So, I would overload his little shield thing, do like half of the white bar that shows up after you do that, and I'd hide. And then I'd overload it again, and then I'm like, why is this shield all the way back? And then I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I literally ran out of ammo like two or three times just going around that area trying to unload on this guy. But then once I figured out, oh, okay, each one of these segmented meters has to be dealt with immediately it all clicked and after that I didn't have any issues with the dude so it was kind of a puzzle I wish there was a better I wish they spelled it out a little bit more what you had to do to those guys but aside from that I'm happy with their implementation into the game um for me this was probably like the seventh time I ran out of ammo and I know I died a lot so how many times did you die Trevor um I don't think we've gotten to the part where I kept dying. Um, but I probably oh. died about two or three times on that first boss. Man, okay, I I, I died like about two or three times as well. But... Wait, 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 we gotta fix something right here. You cannot keep saying first boss. Even in the group chat you said first boss. First boss was trained dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. This is after that though. You're talking about the shotgun guy? No, we're, we're talking about the big armored dude. Oh, in that small I thought room. we were still talking about the shotgun guy. Okay, yeah. Well, so, we were, big but then you said that came once the you elevator. get to the first boss. Okay, and, like first okay. boss happened like chapter four or something like that. Okay, yeah, I died a lot of times. 
Um, was this the guy you were complaining that you couldn't kill without a gun? <laughs> yeah, because I literally, like, starting this area, and I should have just, you know, restarted that entire level or that entire mission because I ran out of ammo right before I got up to the guy with the minigun. That's why you suicide his friends. Well, I persuaded one of them. Even then, though, dude, like, that dude takes more than, like, two clips of... I mean, he takes a lot of ammo, or a lot of bullets. There, um, there are guns around there, because I kind of ran into the same issue, where I had to kill somebody just to have a gun. But there's there's at least, like, two or three guns you can pick up. There's a shotgun somewhere as well. well I, I definitely... I feel you on that, Trevor, because I, I was, like... I, running into when i started fighting against this dude i had like one clip left in my machine gun and then so i had to switch over to my shotgun and this is when i learned that the shotgun takes forever to reload so that that was like immediately after this i was like the next time i fight one of those dudes and i got a shotgun i want the reload to be quicker so that kind of prompted me to upgrade that way as soon as i could um but yeah, I think that this fight was cool, and then the best part about this fight was immediately after you fight him, you get the minigun, which, as me and Trevor have said previously, is the best gun in this game, and then you basically are mowing down fools, like you're you're still, you know, trying to catch up with the operatives, the, the global Cayman operatives that have uh, kidnapped Dr. Drawl. And like I said, you're still in this shopping complex. So like you, you, you go into this room and then there is like civilians running out of uh, department stores and things. And along with these operatives that are like coming out from behind cover around corners and stuff trying to shoot at you. So it's a little cool sequence where it's like you got this minigun that's like super powerful and you could literally spray the entire room down. But there's civilians there too. So it's like it was like a good... Uh, like almost felt like a movie almost where it's like these guys are there's people running from me and I can't shoot those people but there's people that are coming around corners you know so it's like I gotta be super accurate with my shots and everything and I, there actually is an achievement for this spot which I didn't know but I did get the achievement where you, you you go through the segment with the machine gun and don't kill a single civilian so I, I thought that part was really cool um but you you uh you know chase them uh the kidnappers up to the rooftop and then they're on this, they escape via this airship and uh, the, 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 the chapter ends with you jumping to grab onto their airship and so they don't know you're on it but you're hanging on their airship as they're flying back to their um, the global Cayman uh, base. Um, so then uh, chapter 9 begins with you hacking or also 9 uh, begins with you hacking into, or let me rephrase, let me start over. Chapter 9 begins with you hanging onto the airship as they're, you're flying through the clouds and there's just water all around you. And you find out that their uh, airship, their their base, their main facilities are in the North Atlantic Ocean somewhere. Think like a, a oil rig style, like just surrounded by water. So um, you, you come up upon this structure in the water and you kind of hack into it and like kind of slide off of it, and you basically walk through this uh, facility um, disguised, or you take out you take out a, a global Cayman operative hacking, or you know grab his chip, and you basically almost disguise yourself as a global Cayman uh, low level employee. 
And um, at this point, you're just walking around their facilities trying to get access to a higher, uh, uh, to an elevator. You get to an elevator, and then the, the position you're in, you can only access certain levels. So when you try to access another level, the camera, the camera or whatever in the elevator scans you, detects that you are not who you say you are, and then it tries to uh, gas you and take you out. You end up hacking into it to stop it from happening, and that's pretty much it. So this is another uh, segment. So like this is milestone nine. Uh, and this is the second segment that uh, that you play like a, a six minute, seven minute sequence with no action. Uh, how did you guys feel about this part? Because this is like a kind of like just generic, like futuristic laboratory style setting. How did you feel about it, Greg? I guess Greg's not there. How did you feel about it, Dante? Um, I don't remember too much about it. I remember there's the like glowy lady in the middle that you can hack, and I forget what she um she. Oh yeah, that's it. It was really dumb, and that's that's part of the reason. Like, I can never tell if I'm supposed to take this game half seriously or not seriously at all. Where she's like, "Oh well, Eurocorp, blah 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 blah," and they um, they don't want you to know this, but they put this audio log in me where I'm going to reveal like all these kind of questionable acts that they do, and blah blah blah. So it was just like a weird story element that was kind of hidden because I did definitely didn't see that. It was um, it was a little bit too on the nose for me. Where it's like, oh, of course this this trophy in the middle of the room or this like hologram in the middle of the room when you hack it, it's like, oh, well, we're a questionable business and this is what they don't want you to know. But here it goes because I'm a video game and I'm going to be a video game right now and you know explain gotcha. all of these secrets. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, how'd you feel about it, Trevor? I thought there would have been more collectibles, and I probably spent more time than I should have trying to find stuff to scan. But, um... Yeah. I liked it better than that first uh, mission with no action. This was less on rails, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you had a little bit more freedom to kind of explore and do whatever, but, like, you still had a set path of what you could and couldn't access. Right. And I got a little bit more of like a, a watchdog's feel, I guess, looking for stuff to hack into, trying to find like the little data access points. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, how about you, Greg? Uh, I'm kind of about the same way as you guys. Just was it was a better section than the uh, than the other on rail section as far as the story part, but nothing really kind of struck out about it to me. Okay, so um, uh, you end that you end that chapter. Cha- excuse me, chapter um, on the elevator. You you hacked into it to override the security breach that you had. So you were able to go to the floor that you requested, and that starts off the this final um, milestone or chapter that we play to. Um, and you immediately, as soon as you hop off the elevators, uh, these two guys notice who you are. You know, they see you don't, you're not an actual ca- a global Cayman operative and they start shooting at you. And, uh, this, this actual, uh, milestone is called like, um, 
behind the scenes and like it's very fitting because uh, a lot of the environment that you're at uh you're you're fighting enemies is like their back facilities you know loading docks and shipping bays and airstrips and just like that that's the overall uh aesthetic and that also this this part was another part where it kind of made me think about uh uh mirror's edge because uh, there's a lot of sequences in mirror's edge too where you're like in behind the scenes style rooms and you know a lot of pipes and uh metal railing and things like that so this kind of also uh resonated with me when i was looking for some of the similarities between this and mirror's edge um this actually, uh, you get introduced to a, like a, another weapon and another enemy type in this sequence too. So you get introduced to, uh, the very first, you, you fight one of the armored enemies that we, uh, you ended that last one with where, uh, you, he, this time though, instead of having the minigun, he has this like missile launcher, like a, it kind of locks on and he's, he's very annoying. Um, uh, to fight in this sequence because he, he basically has like a, a grenade launcher that he's shooting at you. So you def and he, for some reason I feel like he's way more persistent and just like super way more aggressive than the previous, uh, armored enemy you fought. Cause he was like chasing me around this rooftop. Did, did you run into, did, did you have any issues with this guy, Trevor? No, I, I don't know. I guess I figured out an exploit where I basically just kept running up and down the stairs like in a circle and he would get caught on one side of the circle and I could get clear headshots on him. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I was doing that same strategy, but like, it just felt like the dude in the, at the elevator scene, that dude with the minigun, he kind of just stayed in the middle of the room and didn't like chase you. And this dude was like super aggressive and it just was like, Holy crap. Like I, I literally ran into your enemy type for the first time like 20 minutes ago. Why are you like this? Yeah, he was he was pretty fast, too. Yeah, yeah. He would, like, start booking it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm guessing uh, Greg and Dante, they didn't have any issues because they're ultimate gamers. This true? was the one with, like, the rocket gun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, he didn't kill me, but he did make me use cover quite a bit. Yeah, like, I, don't get me wrong, I didn't die at this part, but, like, I, I just was like, holy crap, like, this dude is, like, he's on, <laughs> he's on me, he's, like, he's getting at me, and it was just, like, the most aggressive enemy, like, I feel like even more so than the, that first Aspari agent dude you fought on the train, and he seemed like the most uh, <laughs> aggressive enemy you fought, and it just was like, whoa, where, where did this come from? Um... But yeah, you, you end up killing him and getting his gun, and you have to use his gun to breach the next room. Uh, and then once you breach that room, like, you, f- you do a sequence where you're fighting against these, like, drone-style enemies that, you know, there will be, like, four or five shooting at you, and you basically have to uh, climb this three-story structure, so you basically have to walk down, like, a long, like, walkway get two stairs, get up to some stairs, walk up the stairs, walk back the other walkway, get to some stairs, walk up, walk back the other. So you're making like a Z shape. And, um, the entire time you're, you're, these, these enemies are shooting at you and they were very annoying because you have this missile launcher that you can lock onto enemies with. You can, I think lock, lock onto four at a time and they all have shields. So you have to hack them first in order to 
you know, overload their shields before you can take them out. And I thought, like, there was a limit to the amount that you could fight, but I think they just kept coming until you passed that part. So that, it was very annoying, and I, I actually ran out of ammo uh, with my missile launch at this point. Uh, how, how about you, Trevor? So the annoying part for me, and I didn't run out of ammo, because um, wasn't there, like, a, a little ammo dispenser thing on the wall that you could get ammo from? Yeah, but I believe it was only on the first floor. Okay. So once I got to the second floor, I was like, I can either keep progressing forward or I can go back and get some ammo. Gotcha. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave these guys be and I'm just going to keep running. That was the annoying part for me because I'm trying to figure out why they didn't just give you infinite ammo like they did with the minigun. If they're going to put the little dispensers on the level somewhere. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, something you want to say, Dante? This was by far my least favorite part of the game. I legit hated this section and I think this was the only part where I went into the settings and saw if I could drop it down a difficulty difficulty level for oh, a second wow. it was just getting unbearable cause what they want you to do is shoot these turrets that are already lined up to shoot you but there's an unlimited amount of them if you go up to the next level there are actual humans shooting at you and the game doesn't communicate at all that these things are seemingly unlimited. Because I know I killed at least four or five. Because you see the little bays that they're coming out of. But you turn around and then realize, oh wait, I just killed the one that came out of that bay, but it's still there. And they don't really give you a good incentive like, hey, you need to move on to this next part. So you end up using all your ammo with the missile launcher. You end up trying to take out the rest of the drones because if you try to get up those stairs without taking them out, them and the guys are going to be shooting at you. So it just, overall, it's a very, I don't know, messy sequence of events. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, there was no, like you said, indicator that these enemies weren't unlimited. So, and I, it took me a while to figure out that you had to hack, you had to hack them before you could do damage to them. So it was very uh, not fun sequence. Uh, was there something that you wanted to say, Greg? Uh, nothing other than I kind of had some of the same issues as everybody else here. Like, I I just kind of happened to keep running and trying to, you know, I guess brute force it where I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I'm not going to try and fight this out. I'm going to just try and see how quickly I can move through this and advance through it. And I died a couple times there, but... Um, but yeah, that, that, like that whole sequence in general, I just didn't really enjoy. Oh, uh, I guess one other question: Are you playing on hard as well, or are you playing on normal? No, I'm playing on normal. Huh? Okay. Okay. Um, just wondering. I think Dante said he was playing on hard, but I guess the rest of us are playing on normal. Um. So yeah. So you uh fight through you fight through these guys and you get to the, to the next sequence. And at this point, this is the first time since she's been abducted that you see uh, Dr. Drawl and her captors take her onto this elevator. And you're like, there's a gap in between you and where they're at. You're behind like a glassed off area. So you can't access her. And then, um, you end up being able to hack this rotating aspect of this airstrip and you can rotate it your direction. And, um, you fight one of the lesser armored characters, and he's. Uh, the, the, I guess they introduced that this that this part too in this level. They introduced the the jammer enemies, 
which they are like two enemy two like usually they come in pairs of two and they have like basically these radios on their backs that basically jam aka block your ability to hack or do any of your abilities so it's a cool little like sequence too where you're fighting you know these two guys they're usually paired with another like an armored enemy or like an enemy that's invincible and so you can't you have to take them out a certain way uh and it's it's a cool little twist on the combat um because like you have to take out these two jamming enemies before you can even address any of the other guys so be interested to see if they pair how they pair uh these enemies up later on in this game to see if they make it even like oh we're gonna pair this enemy up with like one of those super armored characters or something like that so um is there is there anything else uh the, the basically this the part of the game that we ended at is we we take out these uh enemies and we board the same elevator that her captors have taken Dr. Drawl, and that's where the chapter ends, and that's what we played up to. So we're still on the Global Cayman airship, um, somewhere in the North Atlantic Ocean. We're trying to find Dr. Drawl and bring her back. We're not sure why she's been taken yet. We're not sure uh, if she's told him anything or they're trying to get information from her. So there, there's still a lot of questions that we haven't had answered yet. Um, do you guys got anything that you want to throw out or anything else that you guys need to say for Syndicate? I'll kick it to you first, Trevor. So is anybody actively looking for collectibles? Nope. Not at all. The the only collectible I was looking... Not even actively, like the, the, the graffiti ones. Those were the ones that I was uh, trying to find. So I would like walk into a room, go dark mode do like a 360 in the room, not see anything, then I'll just dip out. So, and I, and I stopped doing that at some point. So I think I've only found like six or seven so far. Are you, are you looking for the stuff? I am, but I'm not spending a terrible amount of time looking for anything. Like, I think I've found most of the ones that are kind of in plain sight. Yeah. I think I'm pretty much the same way where anything that I can, Oh, I think something would be here. Sure. But I'm not like, going out of my way to try to find anything because it's kind of hard to tell what you can and can't explore in this game um overall i guess what are you guys impressions or what do you guys think about the game uh i'll start with you greg since it's your game um so far i'm really enjoying it uh the only thing that i'm kind of looking forward to is seeing what type of uh what other set pieces that they have um if they try to you know um, play with the enemy diversity a little bit or, you know, trying to pair up different enemy types together. And, um, yeah, just trying to see what set pieces, if they have any bigger set pieces or what type of other weapons that you might come across. But so far, I've really been enjoying the game. Trevor, how how you been feeling about the game? I'm going to be honest. I wasn't feeling it up until like the 10th mission that we're on, like when they introduce the the jamming enemies, I think that's going to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, Other than that, there's just been like small parts of this game that I like, like the stuff with the minigun. I liked going, um, like the area where you had to traverse the elevators. That was probably my favorite level. Um... But overall, 
I'm not too enthusiastic about the game. The story is a little cliche, I guess. You're dealing with all these evil corporations or these large corporations. Um, and I was kind of looking at the like screenshots and a little bit of gameplay from the 1993 game. And I'm interested in seeing how some of these same um, gameplay elements played out like from an isometric view. Um, because, like, in the game that we're playing now, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they incorporate your hacking abilities or your breach abilities, um, the dart overlay, um, the jamming enemies, you know, having all of those, being able to look at it from an isometric view, I'm guessing would be more of like a strategy game. And this one is is no... There doesn't seem to be that much strategy at all. I think there's a little bit of strategy just in how you approach the room. Maybe maybe not necessarily strategy. Maybe it's like a puzzle aspect. And maybe like later on when they start kind of mixing up the enemies you see, like if they were to do the jamming enemy with the armored enemy, maybe there's a little bit of strategy involved when you enter a room that way. Um, personally, for me, I, I didn't have my moment with the game until that minigun sequence or the, the train mission. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that sequence and that's been my favorite part. Like pretty much both my two favorite parts in this game have been the sequences that you have the minigun. So that part and that part um in that shopping complex where you're having to shoot the operatives while not shooting the civilians. Those have been my my two favorite parts. And kinda going back a little bit to what you guys had said earlier um, with the walking, talking, uh, story-heavy uh, missions that you, you don't get to do any action. I'm hoping that there are less of those, or if they are, I hope they're not like the on-the-rails one that we had in the first one. I hope there's a little bit of like exploration and a little bit more freedom that they give the player. Um, but overall, I, I like this game. Um, I don't necessarily like the guns, but I do enjoy the combat, which is kind of weird to say. I, I really like how the enemies interact with you. I like the um, the way the cover and how it's like, you know, vertical cover and like how that plays into things. I like um, some of the alternate fires for some of the guns and I like using the abilities. So I may not like how the guns themselves feel, but I, I do like the combat as a whole. So it's pretty fun for me. Uh, was there something else you want to add on, Trevor? Yeah, just the last thing. Um, from what I've heard of this game, everybody keeps on saying how great the co-op is. So I'm hoping that really is like a redeeming factor for me. Yeah, um, are, we're all playing on 360, right? I am. Yeah, I am. Greg, are you? Are you? Uh, I'm playing on PC, but I do have the 360. Okay, I think so. what we will try to do because it's four-player co-op and it's relatively short. I think it's I. Giant Bomb said something like two to three hours long. So maybe we might uh, knock out this game, the single-player game, and then talk about that and the co-op. And uh, If you guys want to, I'd be down to try it out. You know, Maybe take a day or two to try to knock out the co-op, but that'd be kind of fun. Um, uh, last but not least, Dante, you got any closing thoughts about Syndicate so far? Anything you'd like to see in the second half? Jeff Gersman was right. This game is great. Um, in all seriousness, though, 
I've enjoyed the game from start to the point we're at, with a couple exceptions. The the main thing this game has working against it right now is I'm playing. I just played through Quantum Break. I was actually playing through those two games at the same time, and even though Quantum Break is a third-person shooter, it has a lot of the same design decisions as Syndicate, where um, they encourage you to use powers as frequently as possible. So, getting to play both of those games in parallel was a really interesting experience. And I do think Quantum Break does it better. Granted, it came out three years, four years after Syndicate did, so... To some extent, that's expected. Um, all the guns felt great. Some of the guns, um, I feel, get underutilized. Granted, a lot of them are OP, like the minigun, or my personal favorite, the um, the gun where you get a lock-on and then shoot over cover and stuff. You get that for a puzzle, and I think till the end of that mission, but you never see it again. Um, what else is there? The audio mix is a little weird in my opinion. I didn't notice the soundtrack as much as I would have hoped for a game like this. Especially since it has Skrillex and a lot of other, like, I don't know, dubstep E. There was, uh, I looked it up, there was Skrillex and uh, Flux Pavilion. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, there's a lot, there's stuff like that, but I don't. I tried messing with my audio settings to put it more in the forefront, but I still don't feel like I can get a good mix with the game. Um, any of you notice audio? You mean specifically like the music or? Yeah, just in sound. general, what did you think about like the music, the sound? Oh, I wrote down uh, three songs. I, I kind of talked to you guys about it in the thing for a little bit. The, the, the Bamboo Club music. The trash, or not trash, the train showdown part that Greg had talked about was cool. And then uh, the Milestone 7 intro music when you're on the helicopter is pretty cool. But for the most part, yeah, like, there's not really, like, um, a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of audio stuff going on. I don't know, like, it almost kind of feels, like, similar to your knock about Bonnet Commando, um, which I definitely, I felt like that music could have been put more to the forefront in my mind. I feel like this game kind of has that same thing going on where it's like, oh, well, there is music. Because, I mean, there is a whole ass soundtrack on YouTube of this game that you can you can listen to. But, like, I'm like, where was that music played? Where was this thing played? So, I think it's coming. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, I don't think we have anything else for this first part of Syndicate. I think we hit everything we need to hit um greg do we have any questions uh i forgot to look but you know what we're gonna go ahead and guess that's probably a no <laughs> Pro- probably not safe it's a safe bet uh while you're doing that uh let us know where, where can they send any questions so if you guys want to join in the discussion or leave any feedback or anything like that uh, you guys can hit us up at mischeckpoints at gmail.com. You know, the funniest thing would be if somebody wrote in a question, but it was for the 1993 syndicate instead. <laughs> <laughs> or Assassin's Creed syndicate. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess we'll go into plugs then. Uh, how can people reach you, Trevor? 
you can find me at Lyric Unsung on Twitter, um, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network. How can people find you, Dante? DanteThinksOutLoud.wordpress.com You can find me at Potato or Marcus Von Dawson on Facebook or um, Lon Salada de Papa on uh, Twitter and Miss Checkpoints as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash Miss Checkpoints. Uh, what about you, Greg? Any word on emails and or how to reach you? Uh, no emails. Um, you guys can reach me at Boombox Hero on Twitter. Uh, Facebook's the same, Boombox Hero. And on Twitch at twitch.xdrdmagnegroX. Cool. And with that, uh, that concludes our first part of Syndicate. Um, and like I said, our second part, we're going to finish the single player and we'll try, try, fingers crossed, to have at least some experience in the co-op. Because I think I'm looking forward to that, if we can get that knocked out. So um, until next time, uh, we'll miss checkpoints and we're signing out. So peace. Peace.